Hello and welcome back to the We Need Therapy podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by my friend Umbra, who started her own fashion label eight years ago. We have a discussion about what it's like to be a small business owner and work in the world of fashion. As always, thank you for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to. But basically, we have our friend here today. It's a very dear friend of mine. We went to high school together, which is really exciting. We grew up down south. We went to high school in Bustleton and you lived in Dunsborough, which is pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing for me to say. (laughs) That's the extent of her life. Do you want to introduce the name of this special person? Yeah. So my friend is Umbra and she joins us in the studio today. Hello. You've never touched a guest. That, as much as you're doing right now. <laughs> we have a That's because we're actually really close. <laughs> <laughs> we are. We were literally friends in high school. Yeah, that was pretty cute. Oh. We went to high school, McKillop Catholic College. Were you besties in high school? We yeah. were. Yeah, we yeah, were. No. What was Jordan like in high school? The same. Really? The same now. So Just he, hotter. So he was, he was <laughs> <bullied>? <laughs> oh, No. Well, uh, for me, he's the same. What what group were you guys in? You know how high school has all these different groups? We kind of fell between the cracks a little bit. We've kind of spoken about this before. Like, floaters. Yeah. Yeah. We're the floaters of the high school toilet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think that is true. Like, I feel like I had friends in many different groups. Amra, um, what was your earliest memory of Jordan? Mm, I don't know. I just... I feel like we well we became friends in year eight, mm. but one memory that sticks in my mind that my mum always talks about with you is that when you came over to our house, we did um, High School Musical had just come out and John was obsessed with High School um, I Musical. I was obsessed. I still am. Yeah, and we we sung and danced to one of the songs, and we were in our house at that time. Had this funny you walk in, had this funny little cinema room and we were in there singing and dancing to high school musical that's probably one that mine always goes back to is just like a jordan art that and then like i remember we used to sing delta goodrum together when she did that together we are one (laughs) for the for the um commonwealth games and we used to like run around the room pretending we were delta so she she was like on skates and she had the jetpack on her back i thought she was gonna fucking burst out of that stadium It was so funny. It was like a Delton Elon Musk crossover <laughs> space before egg. before his time. And then I remember that you used to have Prince Harry on your bedroom wall. I Prince loved, Harry. She loved, Prince, loved Harry. Prince Harry, and it was when he was in Afghanistan. You had like he was in his army uniform. Oh. Do you remember that? I think I do. Yeah, I love a man in uniform. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Prince Harry now? I feel like it's controversial to like him, but I Isn't don't there see a why. Rumor about them. On the rocks. I thought I read something earlier last week. Oh, you mean Meghan Markle? Oh, Woman's Weekly. Mm. Yeah, really credible source. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? She's also meant to be like dead three times and have seventeen kids. I don't know. I think it's really difficult. You, you will will never really know what's going on. Like absolutely never. But very diplomatic response. What do you really think? <laughs> Oh, I do find it odd that they're like, we want privacy. We don't want, but here's our 17th exclusive interview. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had a Netflix show that. Mm. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I I thought it was really admirable and courageous that they took a step back and decided to live their own life, but Mm. make that choice and go down that philanthropic pathway. Mm. And I don't know. I just feel like it's gotten really cheap with the the tell-alls and the. Mm. And yeah, I just isn't that just them making money because they've literally got no way to make money now that they've been cut off? Well, I don't know if that's well, yeah, I guess you have to generate an income to like tell your story and be sustainable. 
But what would you say to someone that says like part of their philanthropic work might be like drawing attention to issues and for that they might need to be in the media? No, I think that's a fair point and they can be in the media, but talk about things that are, you're trying to raise awareness to, not spill all your family secrets. Yeah, like right, I just think yeah. that gets really trashy and it can do absolutely they did that they did it once and okay fine you want to tell your side and i respect that but i think there's like been three times Mm. in the book and then sure sure uh, i don't know i think she had like i know they had a spotify deal i did hear about this yeah and they only released like 12 episodes and i really liked her interview style i thought she's got a really calming voice and i really liked who she was interviewing and i thought the topics were really interesting and and you know went to that deeper level but then I actually heard that he had – so Megan Markle had her episodes, which was Archetypes, I think, mm. the, the podcast series, and he had one, and he was proposing to interview people like Putin and all these like people that you just probably would mm. never get near and therefore like his Spotify deal didn't go through. But I, I don't know. I just think that raise awareness in the media because they're always going to be in the spotlight, but do it mm. to things that yeah, yeah, yeah. are important and yep. that you want to raise awareness to and just – Yeah. Well – I mean, that's a good launching point. Like you mentioned podcasts. Do you yeah. do you listen to many podcasts? I do. I do actually. I feel like my music intake has significantly dropped. Like I, I barely listen to music anymore. Mm-hmm. And if I do, it's just repeats of like 2000 bangers. Same. <laughs> I think it's breakup songs. Like. Yeah. I think it's that point in our lives where we, we've reached, because we're, we're, we're born in the same year, 92. We kind of reached that age where we're like, oh, it was actually really good music back when I was like 16. I'm going to relive all that shit. By the way, it wasn't good music. I think just in our heads, we think it was. <laughs> but is that because you're substituting um, like when you would normally listen to music with podcasts, like when you're driving and stuff like that? Yes. I think... Yeah, I have like about five podcasts on rotation. I need to, but I do get a bit overwhelmed. There's just so much out Mm. there and a lot of it's not that good or Mm. they just, I don't know, it just... Not, not what I've been looking for, but... What I think you, five's a good number. You digest I quite a lot, Jordan, probably have between 10 and 15 that I listen to on a weekly a basis. Mm. I mean, we, Josh and I do a lot of driving for our job, so it's mm. not uncommon to drive for two to two and a half hours a day. So there is a lot of time to kill. Uh, but I agree. Like, I used to be that person that would have, like, when we first got our licence, the CD pack. I still have mm. yours in my... It's actually in my CD deck, a mixtape or mix CD that Josh... Of Jordan singing? Of Jordan's favourite songs, like he burnt for me. So I used to burn CDs um, on my Mac computer and I would give them out to my friends for like, I don't really know why I did it, but it was kind of my thing that I did for a while. Talk about small businesses. There we go. Absolutely. Um, But I'm not finished with this podcast discussion. (laughs) Um, What podcast do you listen to? Can you give anything a shout out? Yes, I so love a bit of Case File. That's, yes, I've listened. Just, uh, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. I then I saw an article. It's like if you relax, if you find it relaxing listening to true crime, true crime, like there's something wrong with you. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, don't listen to it. It's probably in the same um, magazine that Josh was reading about <laughs> Meghan Markle and Harry That's splitting so up. True, but um, that I listened to. Oh, I've forgotten his name. Sorry, the guy that is the ABC. He. He did the Teacher's Pet and he did... Yeah, um, I do listen to the Teacher's Pet podcast, Headley Thomas. Headley Thomas. Yeah. He's really good. And he did another one about... Um, uh, Shandy's story? No, I haven't. Teacher's thought. trial? Uh, no. Accused, teacher's accuser? <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to every, the, 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 the daughter who was... They're, they're, basically, the parents are in jail. He was a swimming coach yeah. or a coach and... Yeah. That, what's that one called? The Midnight Driver? 
he did the Midnight Driver, Shandy's Story, Teacher's Pet, and I didn't think he'd done anything else. Um, can, I can I Yeah, yeah, go for it. It's I'm really just like, really um, I'm wondering if I've missed something now. Um, sorry. Yeah, I don't um, know how you have so many on record. I would like to. I would like to find more because I find myself. I've listened to all of them and I don't really. I, I've got a good one for you. Yeah. The We Need Therapy podcast is in desperate need of listeners. <laughs> oh, my God. I have heard of this and I am obsessed to start my journey. <laughs> this will be my first episode I'll listen to and then I'll keep on going. And probably your last, let's be honest. <laughs> oh, so, no, never. So, Armchair Expert, I just started. Oh, heard I heard one. about that one, yeah. Um, so, then, oh, actually... Okay, now, now I'm getting. Now I'm getting She's in the it. groove now. So the witch trials of J.K. Yes, we've yes. done an episode on yeah, her. Kind of, that was it's so we good because I didn't know about that. I didn't Are know anything about that. Are you pro or anti-trans? Well, <laughs> pro, obviously, but it was just, just very joking. interesting. No, we, we did have a chat about it this. Very just interesting. It's so week. awkward because Josh is quite anti-trans and I'm, I'm like... I'm anti-gay, anti-everything. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Anti-blacks, anti-everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can get down with everything, but just not the fags. I don't like them. <laughs> 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 um, oh, my God, I could do a bit of SM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. SML, S, whatever. LGBT, something. Um, I'm also, I love Flex and Frooms. Haven't heard that. Um, Do you know Flex Mummy? No. She's just like a DJ, MTV host. She's really cool. Um, And she's got a new podcast with this just comedian called Lucinda Frooms Price. I listen to them. It's just literally two best friends basically just talking. But Flex is critical thinker. So she comes with it's really intelligent conversation and then Frooms comes in with like the anyway she's great oh, it's just like our podcast except it's got an intelligent person uh, yeah <laughs> Scamander that's really good okay that's really good oh Shadow of Doubt is the one right with, okay. from the Australian Headley Thomas to cast a shadow of doubt on something I like it that's really good Love that. Thank you for okay, sharing sorry, your – no, 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 that's long. good. We love sharing our recommends, but maybe we won't do a recommends corner because Josh gets very overwhelmed with having to think about things to do in his <laughs> life and other boring stuff like that. Well, speaking about your life, first week unemployed. Oh, my God. It feels really good. I love it. Do you know this week has been probably the most stressful week of my work life in quite a while? Of course, because I'm not working there. So I'm cleaning up all the fucking mess you left, Jesus. Did did I really? No, I don't think I I wrap things up pretty tight. He doesn't care. So He's Josh, Josh and I have worked at the same organisation for quite a long time, and yeah, I just wrapped up my job. So I've passed on all my clients to you. <laughs> oh, so funny! This whole week you keep messaging me, being like, "Oh, how's your day?" I've messaged five years. He's never fucking asked me how my day is. <laughs> I messaged twice in seven days. One of the girls in the a office, she was like, oh, this is weird. I just got a message from Jordan saying, well, when are we doing games night? And I was like, fuck, that cunt must be bored as. Like, <laughs> one, I didn't even know your friends. Two, I didn't know he even knew your name. <laughs> I love I, I, I'm into this thing where I want to do more board games. What's I love board games. Um, there's one called Dixel. It sounds weird, but it's that's a definitely really great some sort one. of gay game. Gay, yeah. gay, 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 gay. Pin the dick on the board. Yeah, no board. There's actually no board required. Pin, um, the, pin the dick on the dick. Yeah, pin absolutely. The, pin the dick in the hole. Yeah, that that's is better. That's inappropriate. Um, no, I just line. feel like I'm on this board <laughs> game kick. But now that I know you've been messaging her, I'm not going to reach out. Savage messaging who? 
Oh, a friend of ours that I wanted to do board games tonight with. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, she's busy, so. <laughs> Did she good. reject you? No, she said she was busy. Um, oh, because I was with her last night, so that's awkward. Well, I was asking for this weekend. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Inhale, body rise. Well, when you do meditation, <laughs> they go, Inhale, belly rise, exhale, <laughs> belly flow, whatever it is. Um, so what have you been doing this week? Well, I've been reading my book. I go to the library every day, which is not unusual for me. I go swimming, back into the gym, doing meditation. Like, I don't know, like things that you do. Are like you Catching yet? up with friends. No. Really? No, I love it. I've been sorting out some stuff with my house, going back and forward between Bunnings. Are you going to rent your house? Things. No, I don't think so. No, I'm mm. just going away for five weeks, but I'll just leave it, leave it empty and give the keys to my mum so she can come up and have her city experiences. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I guess you're running around trying to sort out your flights for your holiday. Yep. So I've been plans. booking all my accommodation and flights for Canada and there's so much of like life admin. I know that's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but when you actually take a break off work, you're like, fuck, I've got so many appointments that I've been meaning to do that are just quite boring. Mm. Go to the doctors, whatever it is, like, I don't know. So when, when booking your trip, because you're doing this solo. I am, yes. What kind of accommodation person are you when you travel solo? Um, you don't strike me as a hostel no, so he's a four star kind of boy. Well, that, that that's what I've been talking to Umbra about actually. Like every time I've been traveling, oh, not when I was in the throuple. Basically, every time I've been traveling, it has been. Can like, I jump in with a question? Sure. What happens there? Two get the bed and one gets a trundle, or what's a trundle? <laughs> a a trundle's like the pull out bed. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I've never slept on that before. Um, <laughs> um, what does the word pull out mean? <laughs> if you're in a um, yeah, basically, we just we just organise a bed, a bed, a room that has three beds in it. Or if you're in like a Californian king, we just all sleep in the one bed. Yeah, or I don't know, like yeah, just yeah, I don't know. That was that was kind of a jokey question, but oh, I, you, I wasn't trying to be okay. Just that's well, a good question though. I mean, I wouldn't think about logistics like that. Yeah, I'm just trying to think how we managed it. We usually get a room that has three beds in it, or we just all sleep in the one. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. There were three in the bed, and the little one said. Roll over, mm. and one of them, and fell that's why out. you're single. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, what were we even talking about? Um, sorry, I rudely interjected. It's okay. You, you as a solo traveler. I'd oh yeah, I've been booking. I've been booking hotels. Have you done, oh, you've done quite a bit of solo travel. I have. Not in my time of knowing you. That's true. Yeah, but I actually have done the American and Canadian thing before as a solo traveler. But I, it's right. I booked hostels last time, and there's no way that I'm going there now. <laughs> so what are you doing this time? I'm booking hotels and you mean the cities that I'm going to? Yeah, no, as in like, so you're staying in hotels each time? Yeah, yeah. That must add up. Thousands of dollars. You can get private rooms at hostels. I'm not doing that, <laughs> but thanks for that. <laughs> I know we've passed Thanks it. for that useful bit of information. <laughs> yeah, you totally could. Like maybe that's something I should, there is probably a couple of places that I haven't booked, but I don't know, like, we're all like young professionals now. We're like, we're earning enough money that you can justify spending it on that if you want to. Like, I don't know. I just think, look, at the end of the day, if you go out to a bar or a club and you meet someone and you're like, okay, let's go back to mine, I would feel a bit awkward going back to a hostel, even well, see, if I had that, a private room. That's never an issue for me. That's no, why I, I can't hostels. imagine it would be. Mm. Would you, I don't know, would you judge someone if you, like, if you went back to a hostel? Because- 
I don't know. It just feels a little too it's young. It's hard to for sleep me. with someone in a hostel. It's I think, it, yeah. I think it really depends on the vibe. Yeah, the vibe. Like, if he was like a cool guy and he looked clean and he was like, I'm staying in a hotel, like a hostel, but it's um, it's a private room. Like, I, I don't know. I guess it would just really. It would make me second guess. It's not that there's anything wrong with hostels. Mm. I've stayed a lot of my life in hostels. We are of that age now, you know, where we're past 30, getting into a 31. And it's like, I don't You're know sexually if I charged, yeah. want, no, I don't know if I, I'm probably less sexually charged than I was in my twenties. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but like, I don't know if I want to stay in a hostel in that environment. I totally, I totally get it. It's I'm just trying to think back to like bed bugs exist in hostels. Mm. What if you brought them with you for the rest of your trip? I don't think I've ever gone back with a guy to a hostel but I have gone back to a hotel room. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's that next level of like comfort. I think if you're looking to kind of do that, mm. you, I kind of need a certain level of like Yeah, no, I completely get it. In a hostel, you either do it in a bed that's really squeaky and wake everyone up. You put it basically oh, put you, it on a show. Like, would you do it in a shared dorm? I, that's crazy. Some people do. I would say that or like the shared bathroom. Ew, are you Apparently. serious? Apparently. I've had some bad experiences. Are you fucking serious? I would never. I would never do it in a shed, but I've been Straight in a shed Straight people? Room. Are you fucking okay? Like, <laughs> what? Short answer, no. Yeah. <laughs> Long answer, absolutely not. <laughs> Send a therapist. Yeah, yeah it's therapist. quite normal in, like, European hostels that uh, yeah. people tend to take people back to See, I've experienced, I've been in a room where people oh, have been on, no. on the same bunk in the bed underneath no. having sex. It was yeah, I've actually paid extra for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> the deluxe um, room, right? Yeah. But how That's do you, you like, I mean, this is a really graphic conversation, but how do you get into the rhythm of that, knowing that someone is above the bed? Like, well, no, it wasn't me. No, but isn't it? When like, you last three it, seconds, you don't need to think. It's <laughs> just a quick squeak, 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 and it's over. I don't know. I feel like some and that travel- squeak is you climaxing, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I don't know. I thought I, I I think a lot of people do it to be impactful or what to be impactful, as in like they just want to make a point. I don't think anyone consciously is like, I'm going to do this because I feel comfortable having sex in a room with random people. See, I would think it's because they do feel comfortable and they just don't care. But you reckon they're trying to stage a point like I'm such a lad or... Yeah, I'm a lad or I'm I'm cool. I, oh, I, so I, I think it's like, like desperate times, desperate measures. Like where else would you go? You would come in with a desperation kind <laughs> of mindset. I love that. The reek of desperation. Is <laughs> <laughs> Have you done a lot of travelling, Umbra? I have. I've been very fortunate. What, what are your top three cities that you have been Ooh, to? Good question. Top three cities. Um, oh, that's a great question. Mm. Does it have an answer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think because... What's, a, what's one city that you'd recommend someone go to? Mm, I don't know if it's like a city, but I went to Ischia. It's an Italian island. Wow. Um before COVID. So a lot of my travel was obviously before COVID. And I I, I think I have memory problems. Like, what's the story? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So yeah, I would recommend Ischia. It's an Italian island. I can't remember the exact like city or like, you know, the capital. Yeah. City name. <laughs> What's it called? Can you remember anything about this? Can I remember my life? Wow, this is. I've literally travelled so much. This is like weird. Such um, a hard so question. It is. That's okay. Tell us about Ischia, <laughs> please. Isch- okay, this is actually it was one of my favourite travel stories. So Ischia is an Italian island off the coast of Naples, and it's the same group of islands. It's called the Alien Islands. I think wow. It's a 
O-E-L-I-N or something mm-hmm. really random. Fact check that. It's three three islands. Capri, which I'm sure you've heard of. Yes. yes. Yeah, and Procida, Masrolia. Oh, you've done that really well. I am half Italian. Oh, that was half impressive. <laughs> the rolling R's in my blood. Um, so, yes, three islands and Ischia is very similar to Capri. It's just stunning, but literally half the price and just beautiful. So there's a, a, a Greek mythology that Typhius and Zeus had a fight over the waters of mm. where Ischia is and Zeus banned Typhius to the underworld. And so... At Ischia, the water is actually hot. Like when you walk into oh. the water, it's actually hot. So a lot of the beaches have a like a big jetty and you jump off and you swim out deep because it's colder out there. And they have um, this beautiful, not not a saying, it's like a story or a... Um, oh, like a myth, mythology yes. or like a fable. Yeah, yeah. where people, women who have um, stru- like struggle with infertility, mm. they swim in the waters of Ischia and they become... Pregnant. Fertile, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, isn't there another step that they have to do? <laughs> you see your semen, you yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry, no, they become fertile. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people in the height of summer in Ischia, people actually can boil eggs in the water close to the this ocean. That does not sound so. No, it's not. It's not. They can boil in the height of summer and they can also like cook chicken in the sand. Like if they- oh, What? They have, have they, they heard have of an s- oven? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to boil these eggs in the ocean. I'm going to cook this chicken in the sand and be like, okay, um, we've heard of a stove and an oven. Yeah, no. But like it's honestly, there, there are signs all over the bat. Like you need to wear Saying shoes. how long like- to cook a rotisserie <laughs> chicken. So if you can yeah. boil an egg in this water, mm. surely that is not safe for people. To go in, yeah. Well, that's why they does have it the, cause the fertility or infertility? <laughs> <laughs> Singeing off your testicles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just floating testicles in the water. Like, Look at this <laughs> yeah. No, that's my ovaries. <laughs> um, but no, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So it I would. That sounds a- so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so. Cute. So you you mean to say I could be having a nice thermal hot springs and there's an old nonna knocking out some scrambled <laughs> eggs next to me in a frying pan floating on the water. Potentially. I wow. actually really want to check this place out now. No, you me must. Too. It's simply starting. Does it exist or does it exist in your head? I can't imagine this. No, it's, it's beautiful. Crazy. Look it up. Um, Josh, same question. Where's one city that you would really like to recommend to other people? Oh, you can't go past Stockholm in Sweden. Yeah, I've been there. That was going to be my next recommendation. I did. The archipelago. Didn't stop. What's, what's it about? He said you can't go past it. What <laughs> <laughs> a lame dad joke. I thought it was a good I just joke. think it's a stunning city and full of stunning people. Yeah. Yeah? Mm. Would you like to elaborate? No, that's probably about it. Uh, you, uh, the water's nice. You, yeah, can you, you boil can't eggs? fertile. Okay. <laughs> I'd love to go there in winter. Like the the pictures I've been in summer, and Snowy. like the buildings are just so colourful. They're like that pastel. I don't know. You, you're the fashion person. <laughs> I've been to Stockholm too, and it's there. it's gorgeous. Well, wait, she is the fashion person, but it's also your fucking story. <laughs> don't throw it away. I've been to Stockholm. You've been. You talk about it. <laughs> no, I just love that um, Scandinavian culture. And yeah, it's just one of those really efficient cities. Everyone's so polite. The food's everyone's amazing hot as well. Mm. That's probably the downside. Everyone's fucking hot in that city. Is and it? You in- feel so insecure walking around. Is it basically the Aryan race mm. in Sweden? Yeah. yeah, those Vikings. Yeah, they were onto something. They are hot as fuck. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Mm. Are your favourite? What cities? about yours? Oh my god, I can't believe you asked. <laughs> 
Um, I probably would say everybody has to go to New York before they die. Preferably right before you die because it's so fucking loud. <laughs> you probably kill yourself from excitement. Um, no, I spent quite a bit of time in New York oh, coming up to 10 years ago. And I just think it's the most fascinating and interesting city. Hustle, bustle. There's everything you want, whether it's like, I don't know, chilling out with friends in a cafe or going on Broadway or just, I don't know, live music. It just... It's it's a good vibe. It's a really it's really addictive for an extrovert like me. You can get really caught up in that city. What are you going to do when you get there? Uh, this oh, you're time, going? yeah, I think I'm going to head. I haven't booked that part of the trip yet, but yeah, I think I would like to see some shows. It's one thing I didn't do last time because I didn't really have a lot of money behind me. It'd um, be cool to see some shows there. Yeah, actually. and a few experiences that you like have to pay for that I think I missed out on, like eating nice food and maybe going to nice restaurants and, you know, seeing shows on Broadway, that kind of thing. I just Go and see Life of Pi. Oh, that's a play? Yes, it was incredible. I went just recently and it was so good. Really? Yeah. The remake of the – or the adaptation of the movie? Yeah. It's bas- it basically is the movie, but, yeah, on Broadway. Anyway. How do they do the tiger or the jaguar? It's incredible. It was – I was so impressed. They basically have – they're like life-size puppets, basically, oh, but okay. not from a string. There's people inside. Yeah, yep, yep. Lion King mo- style. Yeah, the movements are so lifelike. Wow. But little tip, um, in Times Square, there's like a last-minute ticket box yes, office. Yes, there is. Don't go to that one. Mm-hmm. There is another one. I stay with a friend on like 73rd, Western 73rd, and it's very close to there. So I will ask him where it is, and we got Life of Pi tickets for like 40 US dollars each versus 100. Shivers. That's amazing. Because we, we went that That's night. That's a really and good And you were tip. sat yeah. right in front of the pillar pole, so you can only see things like either side. <laughs> no, we were but, literally centre front. Oh, okay. Eating it was really words. good. It was really it. good. What do you think about the fashion in New York? Oh, well, I that's what I've loved about major, like major capital cities is that people – dress up. I think I have living in Perth and growing up down south, I my the sentence that was said to me most was like, Why are you so dressed up? And I like it, it sort of takes its toll after a little while. You're like, oh, mm. what like mm. why can't I wear this? Or what should I what do you expect me to wear? Just one that sticks in my mind was when I was about sixteen. I was wearing jeans, boots and a T shirt. I was just going into Coles and my girlfriend was like, Why are you so dressed up? And I was like this this is not dressed up. What do you expect me to wear? Yeah. Pajamas. Couldn't get any lower than this. Yeah, it was just... Anyway, so that's what I love about cities. I, I didn't really... I don't think I noticed the fashion so much at that time, but I don't know. I really just love clothes. It just make you... You can dress up for your mood of the day and... Well, you've always loved clothes and now you're running a like a, a clothing brand. Yes. Do you want to tell... You want to speak about that a little bit, about yes. your journey? Well, I, I started my brand... Eight years ago, this September will be the eighth eighth birthday. And I started it as a hobby. And I, I genuinely don't know kind of how I got to this point because when I look back and think about the process I was, processes I was doing, it's actually laughable. <laughs> like, not laughable, but it's, I've just come such a long way. Yeah. What's um, the name of your brand and what do you do? It is called Umbra Madalena. It's my name and my middle name. And... I, can't, I don't regret calling it after myself, but at the time I was like, Dolce & Gabbana, like Versace, like that's all their names. And like, mm-hmm. everyone says those properly, like not really considering that I'm an unknown human, not with the huge, like, I think the I, great. I think it rolls off the top. But I'm so guessing nicely. it's very hard for people to say. It is. It's really difficult. Like people are like, oh, what's your brand name? I was like, oh, I'll just type it into Instagram for you. Like I'm like, I say, I'm Madalena. And they're like, 
what? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's if, been a bit difficult. Okay, question without notice. Mm. If you had to rename your brand, mm. just would you obviously you'd make it easier to pronounce mm. or something that was recognizable on the spot. On the spot. I know what that. is one name that you have considered? Oh, you know, I haven't given that too much thought because I haven't like I haven't thought yeah. about it, but yeah. I if I did change my name, I think it would just be like a one word name. Mm. Um that's short and sharp. What about yeah. just Umbra? Well, I was going to, but there's actually a stocking brand spelled exactly the same. Shit. Mm. Oh, and people even pronounce your name incorrectly because it's time. Umbra, but a lot of people say Ambra, right? Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. I've had Barbara before. <laughs> I feel like Barbara, Umbra, you do Ombre, not Ambra. look like a Barbara. Barbara. Right? Maybe like a Babsy. <laughs> Babsy. <laughs> so you sell swimwear, right? I started off doing swimwear. Oh, oh sorry. I've no, eaten my words now. No, that's fine. I did start off doing swimwear. I was really lucky, actually, to be honest. I So I started doing swimwear. I got invited before. So I, context, a little bit of context for you. I started off, I worked in at STM, the little fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. Now it's more lifestyle, but STM. And I interned for the fashion editor there. Yeah, wow. And I started my brand when I finished my internship there. And I just sent her my lookbook for my first ever collection and she sent it on to someone else. And I was invited to show at the Telstra Swim Resort Series, which back in the day was actually a really big show here in Perth. They mm-hmm. had like Camilla, you know, that does all the caftans, like Morrison. Like they're actually quite big WA names and even international names. So they invited me to do a runway show with all these brands down at City Beach and they had a yeah. runway under the sand. And oh, so a massive screen, like it was actually incredible. And I hadn't even launched the brand at that point. Oh, wow. I was like, kind of shocked and so I did my first runway show there and then I that was all swimwear that was showcasing some of the designs do you call them designs or products yeah designs yeah um so that did a big runway show there that was all swimwear and then for the first like two or three years I did just swimwear and then like bikinis bikinis and and one pieces okay yep and then that year I went to Australian Fashion Week and I had no idea what I was doing at this point so I didn't I didn't realize that you need obviously need to sell a collection before you produce it. And right. I had signed on to this. I'd started working with this manufacturer that does massive MOQs, minimum order quantities. Sure. And um, they basically said you need to you need to order fifty pieces per style. And okay. I had to think about twelve styles at that point. So they were like, "Yep," yeah. I, I said, "Yep, yeah, no worries." Um, twelve pieces, fifty. And like, anyway, I got this bill, fifty thousand US dollars. Fuck Whoa. me. Yep, and I'd already. Like I'd already put it into production. I just honestly had no idea what I was doing. And I was so, I was just like. How old were you at the time? I was 21 or two. Jesus. Fuck me with a $50,000 debt. And you hadn't made any money. Hadn't hadn't sold the collection yet. I just didn't know what I was doing. Because normally what you would do is you would create the samples and then sell the range. And then whatever stores buy is what you would produce and to make up a minimum order quantity, I would sell those on my online store, for example. So... Anyway, I was like freaking out, understandably. And that year I went to Australian Fashion Week and showcased that range. And I got picked up by um, Browns, which own Farfetch. And they have, they at the time, they had four stores in London. Wow. And Farfetch have a massive online. Holy shit. And they bought the whole range. So I basically Fuck. sent them all of that stock that I had that somehow, you were stressing about selling. Was, yeah, that I would somehow have to sell in my very first range, <sighs> which is wild. And how, like, I mean, 
talking money without talking specifics, mm. like how much do you make on that? Well, on sorry, on that range. Well, how how it's supposed to work is that the cost price you times it by two point two, right? Which is what gets the wholesale price, and then times that by two point two, and that's the oh, retail price. So okay, you, I see. Yep. But it doesn't always work that way. Um, what are some factors which impact on the price of your products? Shipping has gone up so much. Shipping mm. is so, so expensive. I had a range last year. It was about 30 boxes from Bali, mm-hmm. nearly $9,000. Whoa. Jesus. Yeah. Why is it so expensive? Because we send things across the world for much less than that. Does I it come know. by boat or by air? Air, like DHL or TNT, but it's wow. just so expensive. And then people expect like you know, a discount and they expect so much online. And once you pay all the overheads and production and you know maybe the dollar changes or uh, well, I had a, an issue just recently, my manufacturer is another manufacturer from the first people that I was talking about, but they basically what they do is they – give you the samples and they say this is the production price. Mm-hmm. And so then you sell the range at that price by doing the calculations I was saying. And then it changes. Yeah, the, the, do- the dollar changes and sometimes it, it can be quite a lot and so all those little things really add up in the end. So there's a lot of things in the flux when you're selling products and designing them and the price that you think it will be but by the time you go to order it can be actually quite inflated. Yeah, and then for example Farfetch they just demand a trade discount. So a lot of those big um, major... What, sorry, depart- what is Farfetch'd? That- Farfetch is the online retailer. So oh, they're, like a, okay. they're like a motor operandi mm. or a netaporter type online store. So they're big um, and they demand a trade discount. So to do business with any of those big major stores, they do it. So I have to just give them an 8% discount. Wow. Which on some order, like big orders that they do with me is... A lot of money. Wow. So yeah. do you have like a, a shop front here or are you purely online business? Just online in WA, but I have stocked at Coco and Lola Australia wide and a couple other smaller boutiques. But wow. up until this point, Farfetch has been my major like retailer. So Umbra, what has been some of your biggest success moments through running this whole business? There has been a few but I think definitely being on Farfetch has been one of them because they have basically kept my business afloat this whole time. Like the orders they've placed with me, they order. So I produced this sheer dress, this sheer summer dress, which has basically been my bread and butter mm. um, that you wear over swimwear. And uh, Kylie Jenner and mm. Hayley Bieber have worn it. So they're probably the two of, like, wow. of, two of my biggest successes in terms of you know, a like celebrity status. Getting out there. How getting did they out there. pick that up? Kylie stylist reached out to me a few years ago for looks for a swimwear look actually for Priyanka Chopra when she married Joe Joe Jonas? I don't when know. Who. I know who Joe Jonas is, but yeah. I don't know about the other lady. When she so when she married one of the Jonas brothers, she wanted looks for her honeymoon. So I sent her some swimwear plus this dress. And then like a year later, um I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw Kylie Jenner in the dress. But at the time, I didn't realise it was my dress oh my because God. it'd been so long, so long ago. Plus, I was also just not, did not think that she would yeah, yeah, yeah. be wearing it. And she posted like three like fully styled and edited photos and she looked absolutely amazing. So from then, I got so much more business from, from Farfetch. I know nothing about fashion. Mm. You probably took one look at me today and thought, yeah. No way. Completely right. No. When that happens, do they approach you and then ask for your product or do you send them a range of things and hope that something that 
you have they like? Like what's how does that process look? A bit of both. So for Hayley Bieber, they uh, message they just emailed me and said, Hey, do you have we love this, do you have anything else white? Um, that you could send us. And I was in LA at the time, so they just came and picked it up from my hotel. Oh, wow. Mm, so it can be that easy, but because I live in Perth on the other side of the world, sometimes I get amazing opportunities, but it's Monday and they say, oh, we need it in LA by Wednesday morning and it's just not possible. Um, wow, okay. So sometimes I miss out that way, but I did send just a box full of stuff to a stylist, but you just never know if it's going to make it. But and all of this is obviously free. You just have free, to, yeah. to basically give it out there and hope that something makes its way onto, you know, socials. Mm-hmm. And when Kylie posted it, did she like reference where she got it? Is that how? No, no, no tag. Does she normally <laughs> do that or is it just like luck of the draw? Tag? Yeah. Um, I think only if it's paid, paid promotion. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they, they would course. never tag for free. Did you, but you got a bit of a kickback in terms of sales when she does that. So yeah. do people then look at what she's wearing and go, oh, where is this from and try to replicate it? Like, is there, is that how the, the in industry works? Not how did they find that it yeah. was from you? Oh, um, well, I shared it on my um, platforms yeah. and then I kind of went through the comments as much as I could and was like, oh, where'd you get this dress from? And I write in the comment oh it's from us but like some of those posts have thousands Mm. um but it is amazing to have them in it but i don't think it has as much of a kickback as people might expect right okay Um, it's not like well yeah it's not for, for me anyway it was amazing i definitely made sales over a long period of time it was like a really great thing but because the product was kind of old at that point I didn't really have any stock so I kind of had uh-huh. to scramble get the product back online do a pre-order so that was a bit clunky and that was early days of my business but now with the Hayley Bieber one I knew it was coming they told me that they'd shot her in it oh wow so I ordered a lot of stock and put it up on pre-order and had it online and I made more sales this time for this, oh. for this one. So it's like, it sounds like fashion is such a reactive industry. Something happens and all of a sudden everyone is scrambling to react and yep. kind of get that, you know. And if you can be ready for something like that, that's when I think you'd be most impactful because now fashion's changed so much. It's so fast. Like if I, if that had happened and I didn't have stock, I didn't have pictures ready. I didn't have it on the product store and I've tried to post it now. i think it, the sales would be mm, minimal. You'd it's miss the boat. Miss the boat. You just, it, the industry has just changed so much. And you'd have to be on socials or managing this business basically around the clock, right? Yes. Constantly trying to keep up with trends. Would you describe yourself as a designer now? Like are you, you're constantly designing products? Uh, it's so funny. I have the biggest imposter syndrome. I like still don't consider myself to be a designer, but I guess I, I, I am. I like design clothes for sure. You design so much stuff. Yeah. Very successful things. I know. It's weird. But what I am it a- about like that, that you just struggle with the label, like the title? Do you think that comes with a certain amount of responsibility or expectation? I think so. I, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I think maybe I lack a lot of confidence, even though the brand has done so well. I just lack a lot of confidence to be like, I'm a designer. Like it's still a really small brand like even though I've had some really great successes it's still a really small brand and it's kind of just been tinkering along for you know eight years now but I imagine a lot of brands kind of come and go in those eight years right yes I've friends who have started brands or people I know that not know but like I've seen they start small things like they literally don't only last like a year or two Mm. it's a really difficult industry Mm. and I have had no 
um, investment investors. A lot of big brands have major investors to really take them to that next level. And I think I could definitely do that if I wanted to, but yeah, like I what think are your because that imposter syndrome's there. I mm. don't. I know I can do it, but having other people involved, I think I'd be like, I'm not a pattern maker. Yeah. I'm not a. I haven't done. Any, I haven't gone to fashion school. I haven't. Done, so are you the know. sole person in your business? Yeah. Wow. So Which is marketing, all the keeping on top of the books, everything. I don't do the I don't do the looks. Well, we know she doesn't do math. <laughs> uh, the ATO is going to be listening if she's doing the books. <laughs> yeah. No, I do. I do everything um, except I have my gorgeous girl Bridie, who she was my first intern. She still works with me. She's my pattern maker. Um, so she's probably my most like the other person in the business who I just couldn't do without. But yeah, I do pretty much everything. I take all the photos. Oh my god! So yeah. what does it look like? Like, can you talk us through from the concept in your head to when it arrives from the manufacturer? Yeah. Can you talk us through that process? Yes. So. Basically, I have a very I have the fashion calendar of my agent, my sales agent, and she will say we're selling, we're selling spring summer. So they'll sell they'll sell spring summer in like a June July window, and that will drop in August September October. Like you can have it quite loosely within those months. So mm-hmm. if I'm selling a range in June July, I will need to start thinking about the range perhaps in January or December of the previous year. So I will make a sketch, probably like a very rough fashion illustration. Um, and then once I feel like I've got the range together, I will get Bridie in and we will we'll create a technical drawing, which is like a flat drawing mm-hmm. um, of a tech pack, basically. It's got no no details or anything like that. It'll just be like, you know, you see like a picture of a T-shirt that's literally just lines. Mm. That's what we draw. And then mm-hmm. from there we add all the measurements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get send that off to our manufacturer and get a first sample back. And it's normally made of like a very cheap mm-hmm. rayon just so you can see sort of how the fit is. And if you need to make any changes, that's where you do it and you send the notes back. And at that point I would probably have had chosen my or designed my prints. So up until this point, I've made all custom prints with a graphic designer, but I found like an amazing online mm-hmm. graphic store, which is a print store for fashion, for textiles. So you can buy prints. Once you buy it, you're the only one that has it. Right. So, And then what happens with the design from then? Yeah. So from there, so at that point I would have had approved the print. I would have gotten a strike off um, and approved the print on the fabrics that I've chosen, say like a I don't know, linen, for example. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, hopefully the first se- first sample and the print, like I can see them both together. Then with the second changes, I would normally make a second sample of the approved print. So yeah. then I get the second sample back in the actual print that the styles will come in. And then you do the order. No, then from there we do a photo shoot. Wow. And you create a lookbook and a line sheet and you put all the prices and sizes um, it's quite a process, but you need to do the photo shoot. And then from there, you send the finished range to your agents along with the lookbook and the line sheet. And you have a selling window of maybe two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And then stores will come to the agency, view the range. And then from there, you get the orders. Oh, so they have a look, see the photo, see the range, and then they put an order with you? With the agent. And then that's how you know how many you're going to manufacture. Yep. Wow. That is a really long process. And all of that is unpaid. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
I did not think it was going to be that long. And then from then you have a three month lead time for production. Um, but that's it, yeah. yeah, that's crazy because fashion changes so quickly. That mm. whole process from design to selling is six months. Mm. But I know seasonal, you know, outfits or clothes mm. change so quickly. Mm. So by the time you get to six months, has there ever gotten to a stage where what you've designed is not really the in thing? I suppose so, but I'm not really trends based. I'm, I have sort of have two different sections of the business, which is my swimwear cover ups, which I think you can wear mm. at any time. Um, but sheer is very on trend at the moment, so that's really that's good. good. Yeah, and then my clothes, they're well, my tagline is a relaxed Australian style with a hint of Italian nostalgia. So I always try and design along the lines for that. But yeah, it's not very trends based. Um, yeah. It's more sort of more like, lifestyle based, yeah. swimwear, resort wear, that kind of thing. Yeah, resort wear. Um, just I'm going on a holiday. I'm going to Italy. I have a, just a beautiful sundress type Amazing. Yeah, clothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really trends based, but I think you have to always try and stick in your lane, I suppose. It's mm. really easy to be like, oh my God, that's trending right now. Maybe I'll do that. But yo, that's not your brand. Yeah. Mm. I can imagine trends would be very hard to... Maintain, keep up with, keep up with yeah. Well, yeah. Can I ask, we've talked about some of your successes with Kylie Jenner and Hayley Bieber. Mm. What have been like some of the biggest barriers that you've faced when creating this business and running it? Well, I've had a few people copy my designs. Oh, really? Yep. Which, does that happen often in the industry? Um, it, d- it does, for sure. I kind of thought I would be excused from that because I'm still relatively small, but... I, well, this skirt I'm wearing right now, this is coming out in September, but I released a different colorway last year in pink and had matching top. It was like so popular, literally sold out in half an hour at Coco and all the Australia wide and on my online store. And then, because I think Italy is always in, but I think Mm. it's been so much more in the last like year or two. So I've had, I had a friend send to me, oh, is this your brand? And it, like it just it was a copy of this, but in pink, and but it just wasn't mine. It was I could just tell it was different, different shapes and everything. And I reached out and I said, like, hi, let's just let you know that this is being done. This is my design from last year. And she goes, oh, sorry, we actually bought this from a fashion wholesaler in China. Oh, and I actually there'd been so they they were the wholesaler, and then I saw it come up on like five other. Shit. Stores. And you can't do anything about it? What happens? We can't really. I haven't trademarked it. But I did reach out to them and I said, like, can you please take this off your online store? And actually all of them did, which was really lovely. They said we don't have much store. I don't know if they did, but they said that they would. There's that, which is which is a bit upsetting because, you know, my clothes aren't cheap. Mm. Um, and, you know, I custom made this font. I custom made the colour, the fit, like everything has been... You put a lot of work a into it. A lot of work in. And, you know, the price of my skirt you could get for significantly less than a skirt and a top from the cheap rip-off. So it's just – it's a bit disheartening sometimes, but you kind of have to have trust that how people do you, want the quality. How do you um, protect your intellectual property, your actual designs against that happening? Like you mentioned the word trademark. Is mm. that one thing that you can do? You can. Is um, it expensive? Why don't people trademark every piece of item they put out? I think it is very expensive. I don't know. I don't actually know that much about it, but I know it's expensive and you can copy. People can copy. It has to be 20% degree of difference, I'm pretty oh, sure. So even if it is trademarked, they could basically yeah. change a few things that are insignificant and then just copy them. That's right. 
I had someone else copy my dresses, my sheer dresses, and she's mm-hmm. an influencer with like millions of followers and yeah, just did the same dress. And I made a comment. I was like, hey, like I someone tagged me in it being like, oh my God, I can't believe she's wearing a dress. And I was like, woohoo. And then I looked on it and it just was not my dress. Mm. And I commented on it and I said, oh, you know, like I actually emailed her first privately and said, hey, just letting you know that we actually have been doing this dress for years. And she's from Perth as well. So it's kind of like, oh, really? And I got, I got death threats. I got people telling me to end my life. Like it was a really Some horrible. Some of her supporters. Her supporters. I got messages all Instagram, Facebook and the horrible stuff. And I've obviously never met these people before. And they literally had just made a really simple comment like, hey, like this is done by us. Like we've sent you an email, please respond. Oh, so they didn't respond to the email. Didn't respond. And have never responded to the comment. No. Nah. And keep making their dresses. Mm-hmm. Ouch. I guess there is like knowing that thing about the twenty percent difference. I mean, I mean, when it comes down to it, they could argue that yep. difference. Well, it's also in that, different si- in that situation. It's like the battle is worth how much? Oh, God, like, yeah. when you're a small business, you know, one or two people, yeah. you can't go up against an army of no. followers that you know. Ugh. I think you just. I just have to think the brand. The actual brands are different. Like I personally find the other brand a little bit more trashy. Like I think mine is more, it's it's more curated. It's mm. arty. Like the photo shoots are higher quality. I use, you know, we have set up beautiful photo shoots and make the effort to create that content. Whereas the other one, it's just like, it's just an influencer and it's just a bit, it doesn't have the same quality about it mm. in terms of the whole production. The garments might be amazing, but... That does sound really frustrating, though, if you've had those moments where you've put so much time, yeah. effort and money into something that just gets, like, ripped away, especially yeah. if you see them having lots of success in their sales as oh well. Oh, my God, yeah. That's the annoying thing. What has it been like financially? Because you've been – has this been your sole income for the last eight years? It hasn't. It's been good. It's been so good to me. I've been able to travel the world and I've had amazing successes with some of my accounts. But – I was saying before, I feel like the fashion industry has changed so much that I don't really feel comfortable in putting all my eggs in that one basket anymore. Right. And after COVID, I was like, oh, if this happens again, like I have no one to vouch for my work ethic or my skills. Mm. I've just worked for myself. So I wanted to diversify my resume a little bit. So I have worked for other people kind of the whole through the whole time, whether that be social media marketing, photography, I guess you've curated a whole bunch of skills in running your own label that are then transferable when working in those kind of communications, marketing, social media kind of roles. Yeah, 100%. Which is what you're doing now as well as running the the label. Yeah. I like, I love every day to be different. I I kind of thrive on that. Mm -hmm. I have work. I just recently resigned from a a job where it was just sort of a nine to five type. And I was like, I just, I, I don't want my life to be this. I've tried office work sort of twice now Mm. and I just realise it's not for me. Mm. I want to be able to be flexible. I want to be able to set my own hours. I don't want someone to dictate to me when I can go to the doctor or when I can have a holiday. Mm. Um, I find that really limiting on this one amazing short life we have. I don't want that. Well, it must be hard when you've had so much control and flexibility and autonomy over your own life then to kind of work desk hours. Can I ask, like, I can't imagine what it's like to run your own business, but is there, do you find it difficult to switch off and to put your phone away? Because I'm guessing your phone is basically your gateway to your business, right? Yeah, I, it really is. I just, 
you know, you never switch off really. You never switch off. Like people might DM me and say, hey, do you have this in this size or when are you releasing this? And I have that. I sort of feel like I have to reply instantly. But then I used to be really bad at that. Like an email would come in at 11 o'clock at night, like a really important one. And I would then spend like two hours going over it. And I think I have to remember that people don't actually expect to reply straight away and that it's okay to take a day. Um, so I've gotten a lot better at that. But it is it is really hard. Sometimes I find myself just switching between the accounts, being like, "Have I got a DM now? Have I got a message mm. now? Has someone like has the vi- reel gone viral? <laughs> you know." So sometimes that I get a bit stuck in there. But I've gotten a lot better at it. How do you find living in Perth and, and working within the fashion industry and having to deal with different time zones? And I can imagine it, it's it's not easy. I'm actually really lucky. I my manufacturers are in Bali. Um, so same time zone and just a quick flight up there. So it's actually been fine. It's been amazing. My, my, um, fashion agents in Perth as well. So I haven't really found it too difficult to be completely honest. What about the velocity in which you can ship products out? You mentioned earlier, like getting something quickly to America is very difficult. Yeah, that's hard. And shipping is just expensive. Like it really eats into your margins. Like Mm -hmm. I, on my online store, I had standard shipping. I had International Express in quotation marks because it'd still take like two weeks from Australia mm-hmm. Post. And I only International just, Express is still two weeks. Yeah. And I just recently um, got DHL on my online store. And I. Is that quicker again? It's like two to three days. Okay. But it costs a lot. It's like $70. Yeah. So I, I didn't. I had all three options on there, but really boring story it was like Australia Post is charging me for those account, those parcels that it wasn't sending. But. Um, so I took it off and then people were like, you need to, you know, you need to ship with DHL, like USPS when it gets to America loses all out. It was just like kind of messy. Now I just have DHL Express. I'm like, I can't be bothered people being like, it's taking too long. They've lost it. Like it's mm. DHL now, but it's seriously, it can be like $70 on top of the price. Well, that's kind of crazy. But people pay it. Do you get a lot of friends or people that know you socially that are asking for discounts or expecting discounts? No, I, <laughs> this is kind of like to my heart a bit, but my friends don't really buy from my brand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I get it. I, sorry, I'll rephrase it. I do have some friends that have purchased from me, but no, not really. And that's fine. I know like my style can be a bit quirky. And also going back to what you said about trends, it's not a trendy brand. It's not a Instagram famous brand. So I think people will buy what's trendy or what's, from, you know, what's popular um, or who's got a massive following. Mm. But I think for me, I have to have faith in that people buy the product because they love the fit, they love the prints mm. and they like you're the looking story. looking for a more, not secure, you're looking for a more, uh, what's the like word? A loyal. loyal marker. Yeah, like loyal yeah. or people who just love it for what it is. I want the clothes to be able to worn this year and the next year and in 10 years. And I'm not saying that other brands can't do that either, but I think I want I want people, I have to have faith that people buy it because they know it's a good quality product that has longevity. And what was your question? <laughs> you I asked know, me a I thought it was mine. What was your question? I just said, do you have friends? Oh, the friends buy. Um, oh, but yeah, then right. I said no. But I do have a lot of people on Instagram that message me like, hey, just wondering if you want to um, yeah. collaborate. And I look at their profile. They, it's one, one girl messaged me. It was on private. Her profile was on private. They've got no followers. The content's crap. They don't even follow me. They say, I've been following you for ages. I love the brand. Oh Can God. we? And yeah. I go on their profile and doesn't even doesn't say like follow back. I'm like, mm-hmm. have you ever collaborated with anyone? How does that process look? 
I I've sent stuff out to influencers, but I haven't done like a collaboration. Right. Um, I would like to. I would really like to. I just need to sort of. What would a collaboration look like? It probably for me, I'd probably do something like they might assist in the design process, and it can be sort of their take on yep. a popular dress, mm-hmm. or you know, I might do it with the sheer. Um, I don't know how it would sort of work financially. I think it can really depend on the person, but I've heard like they might get a percentage of sales or the more sales they get. That's cool. Mm. So Umbra, what would your advice be to someone who's looking to start their own business or, you know, go into fashion or whatever it might be? I was thinking about this last night because I don't know. (laughs) No, sorry. I'll see about this last night. Um, I just think, be true to yourself and just give it a good crack and really just try and do everything. Like I have a lot of, I have friends that have brands and they sort of outsource everything, which is completely fine. But I really think in the early days, if you can try to do as much as you can, you learn the process as well. And I think that's really important for future job opportunities. For example, if the brand doesn't make it, oh, but I've learned how to be a photographer or I've learned how to do Facebook ad, like ads or just so many things. Like I, my first ever photo shoot, I paid like upwards of $5,000 for the photographer and the videographer and the model and the boat and all wow. this sort of stuff. The photos are amazing, but I was like, that's expensive every time. So now I just bought a hundred dollar camera and I shot the last, the range after that. And I've just shot every single range since then. And it's actually my biggest like kind of joy is to actually see it come to life through the camera. And now I, photograph all the ranges. I shoot ranges for other brands and I've learned an amazing skill there. And, but yeah, I think stay true to yourself and try not to jump on the trends <laughs> mm. because they come and go. And if you've jumped on one trend, your brand will be done. So Umbra, thanks so much for coming on the show. If our listeners want to find you and have a look at your brand, where will they go? They can go to Instagram. It's at Umbra, A-M-B-R-A underscore Madalena, M-A-D-D-A-L-E-N-A. We'll put that in the show notes. Do you have a website or anything? I do. It's umbramadalena.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just about to send all the pre-sales out for the Hayley Bieber look. So got wow. a couple more left. So if you want to get the look worn by Hayley Bieber, jump on. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to get the cheap one, go to Alibaba. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny, but thanks for having me, guys. It was very, very lovely to make this podcast experience. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming thanks, on. Thanks, Umbra. 